The dead dive. What, Captain Hollister? Everybody's dead dive. What, Todd Hunter? What, Selby? Not Chen. He's dead dive. Everybody is dead. Everybody is dead dive. Hello everyone and welcome back to Everybody's Dead Dave, our Red Dwarf Review podcast which is hosted by myself, Adam Martin and as always my co-host, Phil Hawkins, that's me. That's right, that's him and today we are on Series 5, Episode 3, Terror Form. Now halfway through Series 5 officially, uh, as we've always said, we, I'll do it very quickly, if you knew. I'm new to Red Dwarf, first time viewing. Phil's been watching it for many years, so two completely different perspectives. Sometimes we share the same view, sometimes we don't. So come along and join us. So this one, Phil, we're part of Series 5, so we're in 1992 when this first came out. Ah, and- 1992. I remember it well. <laughs> I was going to say, do you remember it well? Was it a good No, year? not really. I mean, <laughs> I vaguely remember it. I would have been about seven. Oh, bless you. It was the just on the Olympics, because we're recording this, the Olympics ago, and it was the Barcelona Games of 1992. Little fun fact for you there. Wow. Uh, love my dates. But anyhow, the synopsis for Terraform is, um, after Crichton evades destruction, he and the other lads from the dwarf set out to find Rimmer on what is known as a Cymoon, an artificial planetoid which terraforms itself to match the inner psyche and subconscious of anyone who lands on it. It's quite an intriguing synopsis, and I've got to admit, Phil, the way this starts, it was quite a, a dramatic way for it to start for a Red Dwarf episode. It was, but can I just say, they've crashed it again. They keep <laughs> crashing the Starbuck, like, how yeah, many they times? they getting more. <laughs> I, know they, I know they have at least two, but come on, they, have, they can't have an unlimited supply of these things. Like, <laughs> do, do you think that was a continuity that the creators were like, we can't be bothered to explain, just infinite amount of Starbucks, maybe? Cause yeah. They, yeah, they just, you're right, they just keep going through them. Poor Starbuck. What, Every what time happened? they destroy ones, the, uh, the scutters I'm... are on board Red Dwarf, readily assembling another one. Ready well, what to happened go. To, what happened to Blue Midget? I don't, oh, wow. Well. <laughs> okay, who knows? Who knows? Blue Midget's the, gone. The, they had a set and they wanted to just reuse the same set. So they stopped using Blue Midget. Poor Blue Midget. Valid, anyway. <laughs> but yeah, very, very dramatic. Very uh, apocalyptic. Gave me some, if anyone's seen the original Terminator, you know, the scenes in the future, like the apocalypse. It, it very much felt shot like that. And of course, uh, Crichton's—he's not—he's not in a good way, is he? He's trying to reboot. He's—I uh, yeah. I liked the hold music that that kind mm. of came on while he was sort of powered down again. Because he briefly powers on, tries to fix it, and then something's going to go on in the background. So he's sort of power save mode or whatever, and then he get a nice little bit of hold music. Bit yeah, of elevator nice hold music. music. It was. It just reminded me of you know how they used to do the old test cards when channels were off air, and they go, and now some music, and they'd just be the test card. Was yeah, it gave me those vibes. But yeah, it was sweet, and he's got a lot of repairs to do. I mean, what was it? His legs are crushed. Um, he's one eye is just gone, and uh, but he he does he he discovers a way out. He discovers a way he can get help by um, severing his own hand and attaching said eye to said hand, which somehow then has power. I guess I guess his hand has its own independent battery source. Right. 
Is that the continuity line? I have no. That's my that's my head cannon. <laughs> I feel with Red Dwarf, you have to do a lot of head cannon for some parts because the creators, for whatever reason, just don't want to give it to you at all. So they're like, do you know what I mean? It feels um, we've said this before, but it feels very much like they'll say, "Here's a thing. We're not going to explain why it's a thing, but it's a thing." And then it, for nerds like us, like you say, to head cannon our way our way out of it. I like the fact that he. Um, I like the joke about. The fact that his short-term memory is gone, and mm. the oh, joke is that he just keeps on recording, like he's doing like yeah, a the little memo effect. back. Yeah, and he just keeps on mentioning that his um, memory, short-term memory, is gone, as if he's saying it for the first time. Yeah, and Robert Llewellyn does that. So, I mean, again, we've praised him before, but uh, you know, for I guess for a lesser actor, that joke would probably got would have gotten stale very quickly but like you say he just makes it sound fresh every time and that's what makes it work and it's just another example of how brilliant it is um but the hand travels back and it, do they say it's a pod it's not a starbug is it it's like an a pod of some kind no i'm guessing it's like an escape pod from starbug yeah. something so small. like that it yeah. must be quite small something small and the the sentient hand arrives on red dwarf and quickly finds its way uh to lister but as it finds its way Holly informs him that, you know, it's kind of like a tarantula and uh, Lister does not like tarantulas, which then leads into a uh, <laughs> a scene with Kat at the keyboard. Now, what did you think of this scene, Phil? I called it the typing scene. I really liked it because uh, mm. it, it crawls up his, uh, Lister's leg straight, yeah. first of all, doesn't it? And so he's kind of frozen and Kat comes in. So to communicate with Kat, he's typing on the keyboard. Um yeah, I thought it was good because uh, Kat initially thinks he's doing like an adventure game. Yeah, <laughs> you know, oh, text God, which adventure is a big game. Throwback, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and at one point, I think, what does he say? He says like, "Oh, it's crawling up my leg. I think it's making a nest." Yeah. And Kat is like, "Ask Gandalf the Wizard <laughs> to give you a potion or something like that." That's what I do. Yeah. Oh, it was such a lovely throwback because uh, for any for any younger viewers and um, before. I guess graphics were a comparable thing for like RPGs and stuff. Uh, it was just text, wasn't it? It was just, you did it all through text. Yeah. I used to spend some of my lunch breaks at school, like coding text adventures sometimes oh, no and making my own ones on, on some like a, uh, Q basic or something like that. I can't remember what the, yeah. what the program was, but yeah. Yeah. They're fun. Yeah. And I, and I've played the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy one. Have you ever played oh, that one? Yes. No, I I've, I had a bit of a go at the... There was a Doctor Who one at one point. Oh, yes. I've heard of that one. Yes. Yeah. I only played a bit, but they're, just, they're so interesting, isn't it? Because you, you look... I think when you look at it, they never look that interesting. But when you sit... When you're actually doing it, you do get suckered in really quickly if it's... It's what it, I... We've gone on a bit of a tangent here, but let's yeah. go with it. <laughs> uh, uh, what I like about them is the fact that you could type in anything and it's, it's that yeah. kind of like testing and like... Because it doesn't give you any clues, really, most mm. text adventures of what you can type. So you like, let's type in the most craziest thing possible and see if it works. And it just, you know, sometimes it does. And they will be like, oh, OK, that that really works. And then yeah. sometimes I was watching, talking of the Doctor Who one, I was watching Doctor Who Online's YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had a, um, Matt Chambers on there was doing a, a playthrough of it. And he at one point i think he goes up a tree and then he decides to go he like types in go west or something like that i can't remember yeah. which direction he went but it, he had forgotten to come down from the tree 
And oh. so literally, I mean, the, the programmers had obviously thought of this in advance and that somebody might do this. And they'd programmed in the text that basically said, you step out from the tree and fall to your death. Yeah. Because <laughs> you forgot to get down from the tree. It's just little things like that yeah. that make text adventures quite funny yeah they're so quaint aren't they and i hope the ones you made still exist on a floppy disk somewhere uh, afraid not the... no, they're long gone <laughs> oh, never mind um but cat joins the fray and as soon as cat realizes that this uh, tarantula as i think it is is real he also joins in the typing which to me just made it even funnier that whole back and forth um yeah and then but then they actually discover what it is and they think oh it's not a tarantula and they set about uh, going to pick up Crichton, and indeed Rimmer, who at this point has barely been mentioned in the episode and not even seen yet. And it's you start to think, where's what's hap- what's happened to Rimmer? And I've just got to say uh, at this point, uh, you know how Cat has this recurring thing of he'll always take a jibe at, uh, at Rimmer when, yeah. when he can. And I know it's been a thing like all the way throughout, but it seemed like they went for it even more in this episode. And part of that I get, which we'll get onto later. Um, but it just made me think like, a lot of those one-liners Cat has to Rimmer, I don't think, like, half the time they never really land with me. It just feels like being, like, being snidey for the sake of it. And I know it's, like, part of the character and it's the... And I, it's probably just the, you know, the comedy. It just doesn't work for me half the time. I just think, oh, look, yeah, another snide I, remark. I think know? I said this before, but especially the one... He, he tends to go back to especially things like if if there was one, I think, it might have been last week, where or a few weeks ago, where... Rimmer got taken away somewhere and they were like he was like quick let's go before they bring him back and yeah the yeah. kind of the variations on that keep coming from cat and they do i think they do get tired quite quickly i mean yeah it's it, like yeah we get the point now you don't need to do the same joke over and over again you don't like the guy okay <laughs> yeah well that's it and it's like yeah they do change what he says every week but it, like you say it's ultimately the same thing it's basically saying i don't like rimmer in a, in a thousand different ways but it just yeah it's it's wearing on me a bit now i think i'm like can we give cat <laughs> dialogue that isn't just a snide even though yeah that is a big part of his character but i wish it wasn't all we saw i guess yeah i agree so yeah um, but they, they do set out to find, uh, well, they find the damaged Crichton and uh, Lister uh, seemingly repairs him, even though Crichton was, um, I think, quite, uns- well, sort of repairs him at first. But Has he- a lot of spare parts, though, you know, yeah, it's like when you things- buy, well, like when you buy, build an Ikea wardrobe and you're left with like a whole handful of parts and like, I'm sure these should go somewhere, but that oh, well, never mind, I'm sure it will survive. Nah, just let it, let, let it go. Continuity once again. <laughs> Um, but they set out to find uh, Rimmer and we see, well, they're going out in Starbug, which is like all terrain. I didn't look like it was hovering. It looked like it was rolling on wheels. You oh, know, it when was. Going... They, they mentioned caterpillar tracks. They said extend the oh, caterpillar yes, tracks. That's right. So, so this is a new feature that we didn't know Starbug had. <laughs> it has caterpillar Starbuck tracks. Again. And, so... and another new... <laughs> well, maybe this, yeah, maybe the previous Starbucks didn't have this feature. And oh, uh, this is right. their latest this... model. <laughs> they ordered it especially. Uh, if I'd have uh, known this, we, we should have done situations. a Starbug count. Like we should have counted how many times we've seen a supposedly new Starbug, but yeah, maybe I'll do like a super edit of all the times Starbug's been destroyed or something and put it up <laughs> on my YouTube channel. You should. I'm sure it'll be numerous, especially <laughs> as we go on. Um, but this is where we learn, of course, that where they are is what is known as a Simoon, which, as I mentioned in the synopsis, uh, terraforms uh, terraforms itself around the occupants of the planet. Um, did, now, I thought about this because that implies 
you know, it was all like the darkest aspects as we learned for Rimmer, but we didn't really see any examples for Crichton, did we, in the beginning? But I guess that was to preserve the secret of where they were. Well, what do you mean? Cri- so, you know, examples you... of Crichton's psyche? Is that... Yeah, like the... Oh, or, or was there that I just missed? I'm not sure. No, you know... I don't, but I, don't, I think it's because he's not a... Mind you, then I suppose, in a way, neither is Rimmer. Uh, I was going to uh, say he's true. not he's not an organic creature, but then neither is Rimmer. So I don't oh, know. Yeah, but they seems... get around that, don't they? Oh, he has a physical presence here all of a sudden. It's... Yes, that's true. <laughs> uh, I don't know if... Uh, I, I assume the planet has just picked on one person to sure, sure. focus on and, and... I guess that makes sense, yeah. I, yeah. Because it doesn't chaotic. take anything from from Lister when he arrives either. No, that or any of them. Yeah, or any of them. True. Yeah, that's so it's kind true. of all yeah. Rimmer. It's like it's the planet. <laughs> it's just all latched Rimmer. onto him. Of course it is. So, <laughs> speaking of him, uh, we finally see him nearly halfway through the episode. One of his probably latest appearances. Um, and at first, I was like, "Oh, he looks like Christ." Um, you know, because I think we can all agree it looks like at first it looks sort of. You know, he's, he's he's got like a a thing on his head. Uh, yeah, he's hanging on a well, not hanging. He's he's bound to a cross-like thing, and uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it was funny. I found it funny, but I was like, oh right, okay, are we going for a sort of Passion of the Christ sort of thing? But well, I, I don't know. He's because it's all his psyche, so you can imagine that kind of that kind of imagery being some some somewhere in the mix of his psyche. Well, that he thinks he's like Christ and everyone just hates on him because no one likes Maybe. him. Maybe, yeah. yeah it could be. I mean, yeah, he is pretty egotistical. I do know, when he throughout all of this scene, though, he's very, very calm for being yeah. kidnapped by people from quite creepy people in hooded, mar- hooded robes with glowing yeah. eyes being dragged who knows where. Um, and even when he's tied up and everything, and, and he's all, you know, he's quite yeah. calm. He's making quips. Look, I don't know who you are or what you think you're doing, but I demand my right to a phone call. He's kind of, I, he's much less cowardly than I expect yeah. Rimmer to be. He was saying things that, I, I guess the stereotypical term, he's being like that British customer who like just wants, who's is asking questions and co- demanding things because he, he is in a way, you know, he's like, oh, I demand this, I demand that. And it's just, that is very Rimmer to a T. So I get what you mean. Like he is a bit, I guess, braver, but not in like the traditional sense, more yeah. out of just his own, uh, his own personality, I guess. Um, and he's, he's tied for a, for a sacrifice and I wrote this in my notes. I never thought I would see Rimmer getting his nipples rubbed. And I no, never thought that was no. a... I never thought I'd see that. And I never thought I'd write that. But alas, here we are. Yeah, Arnold yes. Rimmer gets his nipples rubbed in oil by two women. and um, it's, Two scantily dressed women, Two yes. scantily dressed women. And, uh, and then they leave. <laughs> and, and then they leave. What did you think of this setup scene then? Because they say, you know, they're preparing him for the master and no that's i know it's not a doctor who reference let it go but um yeah what did you think of like that whole setup scene then uh yeah it was it was okay i got i got what they were going for they were um you know clearly wanting the audience to think that's you know okay there's something sexual going on here he's getting oiled up by these women he's getting his nipples rubbed and then and then they leave and then there's this kind of like implication that 
the the master is going to come and do so, something that needed him to be oiled up for. So, yep. <laughs> it, yeah, there's there's some implication of things there, which uh, thankfully we don't see because that would yes. be a bit too adult. I think a little they bit. they were they were skirting the line. With yeah, nipples, they were I think. they were pushing. I mean, rubbing rubbing man's nipples in oil. I was like, oh, okay, that that's a <laughs> yeah. Um, in terms of actual visuals that we actually see. Uh, no, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, whilst <laughs> whilst that's happening, <laughs> the lads are, the remaining boys from the dwarf are making their way through the swamp of despair. And uh, part of this scene made me laugh and it was almost my funniest moment. It's the little frogs that go, useless, useless. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't, they were I don't great. know what it was. I could tell they were saying something at first, but only when they addressed it. I just found it really funny. The idea of these frogs just going useless, useless. And the <laughs> fact that you can just kind of just about hear it make it out as well. It's like yeah. just there. You can just hear them hear them say useless. And then there's the leech, the blood sucking oh. leech, which when they look at it, Lister recognizes it as having a human face and the face of Rimmer's mother. <laughs> Great gag. And then um, this scene was just full of great gags, to be honest. And like the gravestones as well, you know, of like Rimmer's, uh, I guess, the more positive attributes. Like, what was it? Self-esteem, uh, confidence. The, yeah, the generosity, died age yeah. nine. Oh, yeah. Charm, which is minuscule. And uh, hope. Um, hope wasn't really... I did. I found... I could be wrong. I'm trying to remember. I didn't... I should have wrote in more detail. But out all of the gravestones are obviously played for the laugh of it. Um, but then when they come to hope, if they don't really play that for laughs, that's more of like a, oh, wow, he's lost hope sort of thing. Yeah. Well, isn't it a, I think it was a, an unfilled grave. So it's kind of implying oh, that he's right. about to lose all of his hope. I don't think I saw that's that. That's why then. they need to hurry up and rescue him because right, he's about okay. to, um, he's about to, so I think the gravestone was there and it was a, a dug hole, but it, he wasn't in it yet if you see what i mean uh, uh yeah i definitely didn't see the whole oh uh, see atmospheric lighting not when partially sighted people can't see it but... that's true i was going to talk about the lighting actually because the no, go for i it. mean the the sets and everything on this um i mean all of the swamp scenes i mean you could tell they were filmed in a studio that was yes pretty obvious but for what they had with it and what they had to work with I think they did a really good job, especially with mm. the lighting, and and partly they didn't light it in a you know it's quite dimly lit for that reason, so that it wouldn't probably show off the cheapness of it. Probably, but yeah. the, but they had the moody, atmospheric sort of red lighting and the mist, and which was you know lit from the side, and it was all it all kind of worked for a sort of creating this atmospheric, moody, creepy scene. Which I hadn't, fact, you know, I I hadn't thought of about how it might impact some someone that you know ha, has visual impairments. But uh, so that's quite interesting to hear. So what 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 could you was do you feel you were missing out a lot of stuff um, in in that? There was well, no, not on the whole. Like you say, despite it being in a studio, um, they mainly used the lighting to great effect. But again, like that gravestone was an example. I I don't know if they. They might have mentioned it, in which case it just I've forgotten what they said about it not being filled. But I certainly mm. didn't see until you mentioned it there. I did not see an unfilled grave. Um, but no, for the most part, well, I even think I, I don't saw... think that was like massively visually obvious. I think mm. I saw it, but I think right. it was sort of the implication of it more than anything. 
Yeah, no, I, I don't think I missed out on any key things. I always try and, well, obviously I can't hold these shows to account because they've been made, but like what I try and look for in any show, you know, as I say, my eyesight's not the best. It's like, well, if I can still, you can have obviously atmospheric and dingy lighting, but if I can still see like what the focus is, like the important thing, if that's the intention, not like a horror film where you're not meant to see it, that's different. But if it's like, this is what I'm meant to see, if I can't see that, that's when there's a problem. But no, this one... This one, yeah, maybe just a bit too dim for me, but I'm sure if I like looked at it and paused it, I'd be like, oh yeah, there it is, you know. But um, it's just one of them, just one of them. Yep. And um, Rimmer eventually meets the master, which turns out to be, I wrote, uh, well, it's his self-loathing represented, but I sort of wrote like, from what we saw of it, a very skinny xenomorph from Alien. Well, interestingly, I found this on the IMDb trivia section, which I always like to peruse. Ooh, yeah. uh, the self-loathing creature was apparently based on an unused design from Doctor Who. Really? That's, that's okay. what it says here. There are no uh, no links to uh, corroborating <laughs> evidence, sure, but, sure. but that's what it says. I mean, I could, you know, late 80s, early 90s, I could, I could believe that. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting that we don't see a full body shot. We only see like the top half as it's or the head as it crawls out of the hole and then and the, the legs. legs and the tail and we get a bit of a shadow as well. Yeah, but... we get a kind of silhouette kind of look yeah. to it as well. Do you think that was partly a budgetary? Th- Do you think they probably wanted to go for like, you know, like a polymorph thing, like a full on creature? Because when you cut around like that, obviously being that this it's you know, it's only featuring in one episode, it's not gonna well, I assume it's not gonna come back. Is it a thing of maybe they do you think maybe they wanted to and then couldn't for some reason? Or would you think it I was always know. the I, intention? It's probably a cost cutting measure, isn't it? Um they you know, they therefore didn't have to build as much and they working with what they what they've got, really, mm, for, for yeah. the budget they, they could do. Yeah. The voice was pretty cool though. Yeah. Was it I, was it Chris Barry voicing it? I, I, I assume uh, it was. I, think I mean, he's yeah. so good at voices, sometimes it's it hard to tell. But um, And it was slightly modulated as well, wasn't it? So it yeah. could have been. Yeah. But I, oh. giving it's meant to be his self-loathing, I assume it was. Stop your putrid whining, you dank tuft of rectal pubic hair. Another interesting uh, fact about this monster. We, we said, uh, I said earlier that maybe... It, it stops before it goes too far, the uh, sexual things. Well, it could have gone further because oh. apparently there was a, um, well, the script called for uh, this creature to threaten, or it might be this this creature. It says the master. That This is the master, isn't it? This, yes. This yeah, creature. Yeah. Yes. The script called for the master to threaten Rimmer with a large phallus. Oh, Christ. <laughs> the item was even crafted by the effects team, but oh. eventually deemed too risque to show on television. Yeah. Um, its shadow is seen briefly on the wall along with the shadow cast by the master. So I might have to go back and just uh, see if I can see that because I, I well, didn't clock it uh, first time round. I did not see that. And I'm kind of glad that I wasn't able. One of the few times yeah. I can't see it. But yeah, I think that. Yeah, I think they made the right choice. That is a little bit. Too risque for BBC Two. A little bit too far. Yeah, a little bit too far. Even after the watershed. Yeah, that's verging into early hours of the morning, random dodgy channel that you flick through at a sleepover sort of thing, you know. Um, But the uh, the boys from the dwarf do come to Rimmer's rescue, of course. Uh, Their their bazookoids seem to work at first, but not completely as the self-loathing 
returns uh, but they do free rimmer and i've got to say um Crichton does a joke here like you know an old android phrase in binary uh i've got to be honest i found it a little weak and unnecessary to be honest yeah. it just it, it didn't feel like it didn't f- i'm sure you could have done that joke elsewhere but you know in the scene they've just freed him they're talking about escaping and i know like the whole point of the phrase is he's saying oh it's android phrase for you know basically don't wait around you know get going which is what exactly what he's doing which is the joke yeah yeah i don't know i just it just didn't work for me i really didn't no 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 yeah no but the bit but just before that I, i did like how they effectively defeated the monster by and they don't know this yet and they don't realize it yet but because they, it's because they say that they won't, you know, he's part of the crew and they, of course, they're going to come back for him. And mm. that ge- gives him this little boost, which then yes. pushes the monster back. That's right. um, I like that. That's nice. I, and yeah. the, the crew don't get it. And I don't know if we, the audience, are meant to get it. Well, I suppose it's one of those things that like, you might have picked up at that point. You might not have done. Um, mm. Because obviously later on, they go on to realize it themselves. Yeah, I must admit, I only picked up on it when they realised it. I genuinely oh, okay. thought the, I genuinely thought the bazookoids had, you know, one of those cases of it. It seemed to work at first, but they maybe weren't powerful enough. But no, honestly, I didn't clock it until he mentioned it. So it had a good effect for me because when I did realise it, I was like, oh yeah, that makes that makes sense. Yeah. So no, I was happy with that. But in their attempt to escape, uh, Starbug gets caught in quick. Starbug can't catch a break, can it? It's no. stuck in quicksand, unfortunately. Um, Ah, quicksand, which, you know, any child of the 90s was petrified of quicksand. Like everything, like, I don't know what it was, but the 80s and 90s TV was full of people getting swallowed by quicksand. And then it sort of stopped being a thing and everybody like, you don't see it much anymore. But for a while there, it was like the scariest thing. I remember going like driving in my car um, past like, I can't remember where, but like, and I remember seeing a sign for quicksand. Oh, like on the on because we're along the coast somewhere and i was going and that generally even though we were nowhere near it and we were on the road and we were Terrified perfectly safe you. i was terrified <laughs> i was like well it's quicksand over there hey go go watch out for the quicksand man That's gotta watch I'm out saying. for that quicksand i blame blame the movies and tv blame going. all the films yeah um but um at, well i think it's just before that actually sorry i've jumped ahead a little bit um they uh, you know, Rim, they explain to Rimmer where he is, you know, that this is a uh, a Psy moon and it's all his sort of demons coming out. And um, one of the funniest moments was, you know, it's like, what is there one could possibly loathe about me? Uh, would you like the list, sir? <laughs> like just the way he delivers it is so good. Yes. And then proceeds to give the list as well. And then again, Chris Barry's response after all that list. Oh, that, you know, <laughs> again, we, I, which I think he's done that before, hasn't he? Like someone's real something to him. He's gone, oh, that. He just yeah, does that Yeah, the judgment so well. episode. There was, that was, there it. was stuff, yeah, I think. Yeah. 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 He's just he's just very good at that sort of nonchalant, I guess. And I mean, like, oh, yeah, that thing. Um, and also just whilst it's in my mind, you know that, you know, Starbug is stuck in quicksand. Um now, I watched this episode on BritBox just because I'm, I'm on trial at the minute. I didn't watch it on Blu-ray because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm lazy, quite frankly. And um, w- the shots of Starbug in Quicksand, to me, looked like a bit of early CGI. It didn't look like model work. And I'm wondering, well, A, is it? And if it is, is that just a BritBox thing? So I know you've mentioned before sometimes some of the streaming services 
use like versions, you know, of effects that are like more modern than the original TV well, versions. I, well, there was once when I thought I spotted it, but I don't know. I I didn't notice that myself, so it could I am just be sure. it could just be me. But just I don't know the the like little movements of it. It didn't considering what we've seen before, you know, of Starbug as a model. This just didn't look like a model. It looked too. It looked CGI, but I could be wrong. I mean, if if you know and you are listening to this on YouTube, please let us know in the comments because I'm I'm really curious if that is a alteration. Because 1992, you know, CG was around, but it looked too good for 1992. If you get me, it looked too yeah. modern. So I don't know. I have to find mm. out. Yeah. So they're stuck in quicksand and they won't get out because you know the demons are too strong or they're self-loathing, etc. And the ultimatum is self-loathing demands uh, that it wants Rimmer. And if they give him up, then the others can go free. Uh, to which they have a little meeting, the other three, in the cockpit. And uh, there's only one option, isn't there, Phil? They've got to be nice to him. <sighs> Shock, and they have to be nice. They have to tell him that they love him. And of course, this fills them all with absolute... Well, I don't know what the phrase is. They're just, they're not too pleased about it, really. Especially Cat. As, oh, oh. I think Cat hates him the Especially Cat. But I've got to say, though, the, the thing we were saying earlier about, you know, he jabs at Rimmer too much. I feel it works in this context. Absolutely. Yeah. I just think if, when it's if, like If there was one day, episode where it makes the most sense, it is probably this episode. Yeah, I think it's more of like the random jabs I'm tired of. Like when it's just in everyday conversation they have, I'm just like, okay, we, we get it. Just just stop but their faces when they emerge from the cockpit are hilarious you know and they're about to try it and they're all just sort of like half smiling but you can see and again especially cat like the pain behind his eyes he's like oh god Could yeah and cat uh, is kind of like still resisting he doesn't really say anything the best he no. gets out of out of it is like that the other two say something nice and they say you know we really love you man and cat can just go like yeah they really do like yeah. about them, he can't say quite quite bring himself to say that he does. T- he can't bring himself to even lie and say that he does too, in yeah. order to save their lives. <laughs> yeah, that was a potential funniest for me when it's when I think Crichton and Lister say, "Oh, we do care about you," and Cat just goes, "Yeah, they do care about you." It's just that's the one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then Crichton's kind of a bit OTT about it. Way um, OTT. But, but Lister, yeah. I generally, you know, there were moments where I was like. Ah, uh, you know, some of this yeah, could be real. Yeah. You know, he might—he's probably exaggerating it a bit, but I—I kind of felt like it—it it was really good acting from him, anyway. But yeah. it kind of felt like okay, some of the some of the growth we've seen between the two of them. Yeah, they get on each other's nerves, but there—there's—we have said before that there is a there is a bond, there is a a some kind of genuine friendship there as well. Yeah, like to yeah to go with the cliche, they are very much like an old married couple. They sort of don't get on all the time, but they, you know, they have a, I guess they have like a common ground. And like you say, when, when he does say, I love you, man, that there, feel, there feels like a tinge of, of truth to it. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, it's just, as you say, really good acting from Craig Charles compared to Crichton, who's going, I think people need to touch more, which is a line which uh, for, for some more modern ears might seem a bit like, whoa, but obviously, you know, it was, it was done in jest of the joke <laughs> and what was going on. But you know what I mean? You hear it and you think, oh, be careful where you say that. Like, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but of course, it's all done for a, for a big group hug. And I think this is the, fir- the first time we've seen them all, like, group hug. I'm not saying they do it regularly, but I think it's the yeah, first time. I think yeah. so. 
Yeah. And then, of course, it's helping every time they give him a little bit of a boost in confidence and everything. The ship manages to, to like, get up a little bit more and almost break free. And and so we, we get to see them see this is working. And then we get the ghosts. We get some ghosts. Oh, the random ghosts who look like the three musketeers. Like just... Yeah. <laughs> Because they've restored his self-confidence, they've restored his self-respect, that means that the ghosts of those elements of him mm. come up and they fight the bad elements of his psyche. They do. It's you know, a bit of a random scene, but yeah. got a bit of action, sword fighting in there. I've got to say, the Hooded Legion, I think they're called, just look like tall Jawas. Ah, I'm glad I'm not the only one that thought that. <laughs> I was trying I was trying to place it and I was like it's kind of something Star Warsy, isn't it? I I know I've seen them before. Yes. And I could yeah. but I couldn't think of the name so I didn't say anything. It's but just yes. the little red eyes and the black hoods. I was like they're just it they're is. just tall Jawas. Like that's the Jawas like, in black cloaks. <laughs> that's pretty it. Pretty much. They were they just needed to say something similar to that Houdini, whatever they say and then you'd be full on Star Wars knockoff there. Um, but as you say, they vanquish uh, the demons and boost Rimmer enough that they're able to break free from the planet. Um, to which then Rimmer goes in the cockpit and just says, that was all phony, wasn't it? Um, you don't actually care, or, or, you know, you actually care about me, do you? Uh, to which all three unanimously say, no. <laughs> and then that's yeah. it. That episode just, and again, I don't, it ends so quickly. <laughs> it's literally like, it was all fake. Yes end <laughs> harsh it's so harsh so i i felt sorry for rimmer i think this is maybe the only second the second episode where i've ever felt sorry for rimmer at the end uh you know just think what could have been he, they managed to restore some of his self-confidence some of his self-respect get, get rid of some of his self-loathing the, which has basically created the person he is imagine if they had continued that how yeah. he could have improved as a person and uh, you know what it, what changes it would have brought but of course it is a uh, sci-fi so you have to reset to the status quo at the end of every episode <laughs> so. well, that's pretty much what it is but my god talk about i know we talked about quick endings but this is probably that they break free and they basically say they've lied to him and that's it like that's that's the episode. yeah i don't know it kind of it wasn't the worst quick ending for oh me. no it's it was, not the worst it kind of the the joke kind of worked it was fine yeah yeah i feel if they tried to elaborate it a bit more like you know gone on a speech about why they lied to him and all that then it would have been worse maybe but yeah the no is is quite funny because of how as you say how harsh it is um but yeah folk that that again that is terraform that's it that's the end there's no more um and now well well we do some of our regular segments on the show including our favorite character of the episode so phil who is it for you this time my favourite character this time is actually going to be Crichton. Ooh, okay. Why Crichton? I, I, well, he, he just has some of the best moments, I think, in it. Because, yes, the focus is, well, from from the point we see him again, because obviously he isn't there for the first part of the episode, but it's mm. kind of Rimmer and it's Rimmer's psyche. And there is a lot of good stuff from him as well. But I don't know. There's just, it's just, just something about the way I can't even put my finger on it. There's just the delivery of so many lines that I liked from Crichton this time. Uh, the way it starts off the episode as well. I like, you know, that him being the focus of that scene worked really well. Yeah. So yeah I'm just going to give it to Crichton this week. Another one for Crichton. Another one for, Oh, we do love our Crichton on the show. Well, mine's different from yours this time around. Uh, my favorite character is going to Lister on this occasion. Um, I mean, some of the best comedy from him recently, like that, the typing scene again, Craig Charles sells that. Absolutely. 
And like we said, but then on the flip towards the end, like the more, I guess, caring side of him, like we're saying about his affection for him, how there's a tinge of like truth to it, perhaps. Um, yeah, I just, which makes uh, it feel even more hurtful that at the end he goes they, no they just along go, with the no. rest of them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but no, I just I, I feel like this was a good example, and they've all done it before, all the lead cast. But you know, uh, we've seen like the two different sides. We've seen like the funny Lister, and then the more I guess compassionate Lister. Um, no, I just really warmed to him this episode. So yeah, I'm going to give it to Lister. And what about your funniest moment? My funniest moment was the hug. Um, oh, the in hug. particular. In particular, cry again, Crichton. This was one of his funny moments where he's just kind of like he's saying, you know, I think we need a group hug, and it's it's the way he's moving. It's yeah. a kind of like oh, slightly so- tilted back, hands out, <laughs> sauntering over, like in a kind of I, I I can't even describe it. That that and his tone of voice and the fact and and the line you referenced earlier, which I found quite funny. I don't think people touch enough, sir. I think people should touch more. It's it's very like androidy without being too robotic. It's like, yeah. yeah, 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 it's good. No, it's really good selection. Mine was, uh, it might be obvious, but it's the typing scene. I don't know why. I think it just, like we said, it evoked, like, um, well, memories of, like, the whole text thing. But then also, it was just well done. Like, the way they cut between the shots, what they were actually typing on the, on the, on the, on the computer screen. Even, even the end, it was a bit corny, but, you know, like, the O and then various signs to symbolize swear it, it was fun i really enjoyed it especially when cat joined in too so that's my funniest scene uh, learn your text adventures kids if you've never tried one definitely try one and uh lastly what we do on the show for anyone who's new is we rate each episode out of 10 scutters so phil this time around how many scutters out of 10 are you giving terraform i'm giving this episode eight and a half scutters out Ooh. of 10 nice nice solid solid nice solid one it was good it was good episode there wasn't any bits that i thought were bad in it particularly there wasn't any bits that i were thought weaker i i enjoyed the jokes i enjoyed the comp you know the the stuff the character stuff from Crichton, as i said was very funny uh the rimmer and his various psyches it was yeah it was just a good solid episode i think it was structured really well as as well it kind of didn't hang about because sometimes red dwarf has this thing where they'll have a top five or ten minutes which bears no relation really to the rest of the plot whereas this one kind of went straight into it we had an initial situation which then uh kind of went on the the second situation evolved naturally from that first one so i just think it was structured really well uh, and yeah it was a good episode no solid solid shout uh mine's actually going to be a bit lower mine's going to be seven out of ten for this one um i did enjoy it i thought the concept was cool um yeah i did this is one of those rare instances where normally like we normally do i have a lot of reasons to like back it up or whatever but this one was honestly just a gut feeling phil i've got to be honest i just i couldn't find it in myself to rate it higher and i'm not sure why that is um some negative points i mentioned are like you know some of the jabs cat makes the the more to when they're trying to be positive they work but the rest of the time they are really starting to wear wear down a bit now um but yeah no for i'm just as i say i'm gonna go with my gut and i'm just gonna give it a seven because that's what i Fair feel enough. in my heart of hearts so yeah well folks that's terraform uh, episode three of series five of red dwarf and if you tune in every week, we review each episode. So it'll be episode four next week. We're getting near the end of series five already. 
Yeah, it's Quarantine mad. next time, which is a, um, I will say, one of the fan favorites. Yeah. Let's find out uh, if uh, if it's if it holds up. Yes, and you should tune into that one as well because we will be joined by a special guest. It's time for another special guest, isn't it, Phil? Of the it is of the series. So definitely don't miss quarantine, and I'm sure that title will resonate with all of you because we've all been doing it. <laughs> oh God, so, yeah, we hadn't thought about that. Yeah, <laughs> I see that word now, and it's you know it's burned into my brain. Like if I ever see a film about like you know quarantining, I'm like, oh God, here we go. But I'm I'm currently, I, in fact, socially isolating right now. Oh, <laughs> hopefully not for too much longer. No, hopefully not. Just need to. Uh, it's it's uh, it's, uh, it's somebody in the house needs to go get a test, and then uh, hopefully yes. all will be fine. Hopefully all will be well. But in the meantime, whilst you are socially isolating, Phil, where can the people find you? Oh, you can find me on my YouTube channel, which you may well be listening to this uh, podcast on. You mm. might be. You might not be. You might be listening to it on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or one of the many podcasting services you can get our podcast on. But if you're not, if you are listening on one of those podcasting services things, then it, then do come over to my YouTube channel because I've got lots of other content as well as this podcast, like Doctor Who uh, content and uh, MCU and Star Trek content and a whole lot of other geeky pop culture. So come and find me there. It's just my name, Philip Hawkins with Philip with one L. You can find me there. Awesome. And if you want to check out my stuff, uh, I'm Adam Martin with a Y on YouTube. Like Phil, I do videos on Doctor Who and various other pop culture interests that I have. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Martin AMTV for my daily ramblings. And we also have a Twitter account for the podcast. It's called, um, it's at All Dead Dave Pod. Damn that Twitter character limit, but All Dead Dave Pod. Uh, give us a follow for updates on the show, special guest announcements, and just the occasional Red Dwarf post meme or gif. We do like those as well. So yeah, yeah and if you there. just want to say hi to us, you can do it that yeah. way as well. Come say hello. We're very, we're friendly. We're friendly people. And um, as Phil said, if you are watching on YouTube, as mentioned earlier, please give us your feedback in the comments uh, on a lot of the uh, like uh, audio streaming ones, like Spotify. There is no way to really leave feedback. So if you do want to leave, you feedback, can leave a or, review for the podcast as a whole. Do that. Oh, we, please do that. Yeah. But if you have like specific points, uh, leave them on YouTube and we'll, we will give them a read. But yeah, that's another one in the cam, Phil. So um, I guess it's all left to be said is thank you for listening, folks. And we'll catch you next week for quarantine. Bye bye. See you then. Bye.